Hello, this is Javier Ortiz and welcome to the Parent Academy podcast. Welcome to the fifth episode of Parent Academy podcast. This episode is being recorded on the 7th of May 2020. Obviously in London we getting an idea of the end of the lockdown, the end of the isolation. Um, but what is very important, what I want to share with you, the techniques, the ideas that I want to share with you about separation anxiety are extracted from all the work that I've done in the last few years. They are applicable to what is about to happen with the young people going back to school, leaving home, but it's applicable to almost any situation that you uh, experience about separation anxiety, about trying new things, about going into a bit of the unknown, about when uh, our children go from primary to secondary school, when they're facing a new club, a new activity, a new project. The concepts, the ideas are exactly valid for all of those. I, um, For obvious reasons, I'm going to refer most of my suggestions to the situation that we are living today. So I hope that that helps you. But again, come back to this podcast, come back to these ideas anytime you want and uh, use them for any situation in which your children are going to be facing difficult, tricky moments. A few years ago, I was uh, working with this young boy. He, he was a bit um, small for his age. He was uh, in the second stage of primary school, um, well adapted, not a specific problems. But um, one of the things that happened to this boy was that any activity that was outside of a school, in particular, any activity that involved uh, taking a bus, like playing cricket or football or anything against a different school, he could just go absolutely bonkers. He would refuse to take place. He would not consider to go and he had to stay behind. Uh, he was a good player. He was a good sports guy. But um, in those moments, there was nothing nobody could do to help him. So... My job with him, amongst other things, but was about to help him resolve those situations. Anyhow, I was with him and uh, all he was saying is, I don't want to, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't like it, I don't want to go. Which is a very usual response. He's like, no, 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 no. And I don't want to consider what's going to happen. Now, in my experience, I know enough to know that the whole event is very rarely the cause of the problem. But it, normally the cause of the problem is one specific part, one part, one moment, one second that creates panic on the young people. Uh, so what we did in a bit of a funny game type of things, we went into the whiteboard, uh, we took the markers and what I did is uh, as if I was drawing a comic, I was drawing every single step of the day and I was looking for his reaction. And uh, so I would say, come into school. So I would draw him, come into school, um, school time, in lessons. 
end of the school or playtime. Yeah, and his reaction was basically normal. Then I said, okay, now it's about the time when you prepare the bags for going to the game. Again, not much more. Uh, then it's about going to the bus, and I could perceive that he was getting a bit tense, but nothing else happened. Then we were talking about playing the game, I think it was cricket in this case, and again, nothing happened, he was a bit tense, but more relaxed than when we talk about going to the bus. And then I said, okay, and now it's time to prepare the bag to go back to the bus, and that's when he just flipped. He said, no, Mr. Orty, no, Mr. Orty, I don't want it, stop it which that was really, really telling. Because what he was telling me is there's something in that moment that makes him freak out. From that point, once that I understood what was the moment, what was the trigger that made him not want to go in that um, sports activity, in that trip, uh, it was reasonably easy. So eventually we sat down, we talked, um, again, with, with kids, you, you know, the golden rule of coaching is never to put words into your client's mouth. They allowing them to come to the realization. Now, if you work with kids, you can wait until the cows come home because that's not going to happen. They're not going to tell you. So my strategy is to fish around. I share ideas. I tell them what other kids have told me. I make up uh, my own ideas. And... I wait for, for them to react. And uh, obviously one of the things that I was conscious that he is a tiny boy and he can easily be overlooked. So I did mention that and when I said that, he just kind of looked at me and he said, yes. He didn't say anything else. He said, I'm afraid that I'm going to get lost, that they're going to leave without me. Now, there's some other history behind, and there's reasons behind, but what I want you to understand from this story is how going from a very, very dramatic situations when we chunk it down, we can identify exactly what is that we need to resolve. Um, as luck has it, in that moment, right after that session, the PE coach was um, just walking by, so I called him in and I said, Sir... This is what's happening and uh, he will feel much, much reassured if you keep an eye on him from the moment that the game ends to the moment that you get into the bus. Obviously, the, the teacher, the coach was more than happy to do so. And um, ever since, this kid has been enjoying his school trips, his sports. And uh, it's, it's great. It sounds like quite a simple approach. But what I want you to take from this story, and this is going to be the whole idea for the rest of the podcast is when we're working about fears and anxieties, concerns, uh, the big picture is not the true picture. We have to go into the detail, into what is that trigger that is creating that fear. Just a word about anxieties. Uh, when I work with kids and I ask them about anxieties, uh, you know, 7 out of 10 kids will not know what it means, the word. Uh, and this makes it quite scary. It sounds quite a scary word. And if I'm anxious or I feel anxieties, oh my God, what it is. Uh, when I work with young people, 
of any age, to be honest, I, I talk about worries. Yeah? Worries is something they understand. So one topic I want you, one idea I want you to consider is be careful how we name things. So for instance, when I say my anxieties, well, if they mine, my subconscious mind is not really ready to let things go that are mine. So I always talk about worries and I talk in a third person, their worries, those worries. Yeah. Uh, so that's one point. The second point is that those worries that the young person experience, most of the times they are based on experience. Now that experience can be real or imagined, but for them it is a true experience. So what is very important is do not, do not brush them away. If your child, if the young person you have nearby is suffering from those worries, there is something behind. Don't ignore them, don't brush them away, respect them because there is something important. What happens with that worry, and again, I, I work with kids that have gone through trauma, but in, in my clinic, uh, it's not the, the majority. The majority, what they had is a, it's a bad experience that then they repeat on the head. They repeat, 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 and repeat. And as they repeat that fear, those worries, those beliefs about themselves, it, it becomes disproportionately huge, bigger. And as they become bigger, then it starts extending into other areas. So if we go back to that kid that I was telling you about a few minutes ago, he had an experience of abandonment, which was a really naive non-traumatic experience, but for him, it was enough to create fear. Then the repetition in his mind made it bigger and bigger and bigger, and he just saw fear, problems, and abandonment in pretty much any situation he could see. And obviously the prospect of going on a school trip and not knowing for sure if he was going to be taken back just made it a reality for him. So. What I want you to think about with this part of the podcast is just, just be mindful, do not brush it, do not laugh at them, but also be sympathetic as well and, and, and outward-looking, solution-focused. Yeah? Don't vanalize it, but don't encourage them as well. There's always a solution and I'm going to start giving you a few ideas shortly about what solutions you can use, but very important be mindful and be respectful of those worries because for them, they are true. How is this relevant, everything that I'm telling you so far, how is this relevant to what young people are living through now in, in the pandemic, in the coronavirus pandemic, uh, or in any situations? Well. Any situation that is new is unfamiliar and anything that is unfamiliar is unknown and anything that is unknown, it will create some state of anxiety or worries or confusion. Yeah? Anything, so right now uh, the young people have been at home for a couple of months, the best part of two months by the time that they go back, the whole routine has changed. The whole routine that they're going to experience will be different from what they have in mind. Uh, and they will not understand why. Okay, you could say probably 10 plus 
12 plus years old kids will be able to um, understand why. But still, is the, the life is different. And why is it different? And why am I missing out? And, and what is that I'm sacrificing? And what is, what is that I'm getting back? And, and all this will create confusion. So again, novelty and confusion. You can see how quite easily that leads into worries. Now, a lot of the things, and, and take into consideration what I tell you already, the young people will struggle to tell you why they are worried. They, they might even struggle to tell you that they are worried because everything gets tangled together. Everything goes into a pot and, and then they cannot tell what it is causing that feeling. They're not the feeling, but they don't know how to express that. So what is really important is to take the time, think, give them a space to think, to talk, to express themselves, give them suggestions, and uh, really allow them the time to, to express what is that they feel in. So with a bit of luck, in a few weeks, the lockdown will be eased and obviously it will change in different countries at different times, in different locations at different times, different um, trades at different times and that's perfectly fine. But um, let's just take one minute to look back to what has happened in the last few weeks. And again, I do acknowledge this is very different in, in families that probably are struggling uh, either with learning disabilities or with income being um, affecting their lifestyle or when they don't have that much space at home or I, I totally respect that yeah and uh, but what I want to share with you is what is the what I believe will be the majority of cases over the last month and a half two months what I've seen is that the the children have taken onto the new routine really, really well. They have taken into being at home. A lot of them have become a lot more independent, a lot more autonomous on the work. They are less demanding on the parents. They're finding the space at home. They, um, overall, they are quite enjoying it. And that gets me to thinking, why are they enjoying this when they are so limited on what they're doing? And the two things, that I come is uh, one time they have more time to do things they feel less pressurized to do everything that they have to do on the day yeah they don't have to go to swimming and then to netball or they don't have to go to math clubs and then to whatever it is they um, they have found that space that time and that is um, that is quite positive for them the second reason why I think is um, is working well for them is the lack of social pressure. There is less opportunity for them to compare themselves with the peer group. So when, funny enough, just like five minutes ago, my daughter came to me and she said, oh, I got 75% on my math test and she was very, very happy. Now on a normal day, she wouldn't be saying that. She would say, I got 75, but my friend, a or B or C got 83 and my other friend got 63. There's not that comparison anymore. 
and that is also taking a lot of stress and pressure from them. So the combination of having time to do things, to enjoy the day, to live slow, and the lack of comparison and peer pressure, to be honest, peer pressure that they put on themselves, is generating a very, very cozy environment for them. So I can expect that most of the young people going through this situation are actually enjoying it, which is a bit of a watch out for what is to come because they are living a very, very safe environment in which they feel no pressure that they can organize themselves to go back into an environment that they believe they know, but they don't because it's going to be a new routine. And the question is, what can I expect? What do I need to watch out for? How do I know if my kid is coping or not coping with this situation? And how can I help them? I'm going to cover first this, this first question, what to expect? And then I will cover the second part, which is what can you do about? And uh, as always, I will provide you with a number of techniques, suggestions and ideas that you can use from today. So um, what is that you can expect? What you can expect is, um, the first part is that, let's be honest, this is my assumption, I don't have any scientific data for this, but I expect that the vast majority of young people will um, maybe have a bit of a wobble, maybe a bit of an uncertainty, maybe a bit of confusion, but most of them will move into the new routine easily. Uh, and that just shows that they are resilient, that they can adapt, and, uh, and that they can just move on. And that's great. It's, it's, as I always said, it's not the 70% of the population that I work with. I work with the 30% that don't deal so well. Uh, so I'm very, very happy that is that ratio, not the other way around. Uh, but I just want you to reassure not every kid will go through what I'm going to describe to you. Uh, in fact, the majority of kids will not go through what I'm about to describe. Um, but just keep a watch out, just in case, because we never know what kid is going to be on the 70%, what kid is going to be on the 30 Never, never, never take it for granted. So, overall, my experience, my belief, tells me that there's going to be a mixed bag of feelings. Sometimes the kids are going to be very excited to go back, sometimes they're going to be concerned, sometimes they're going to be really kind of um, understanding, sometimes they're going to be confused. So just be ready for that kind of um, roller coaster of feelings happening. Uh, you can expect to observe what I call general low to medium worries. They will be displayed in different behaviors, sometimes is what we call the psychosomatic illnesses. Uh, my tummy aches, I got a headache, uh, I'm very tired, I cannot do this. Th those are the usual suspects. Yeah? And, and again, obviously, if you are concerned that there is some medical reasons, by all means, go and check it with your doctor. But also, as most parents, they will know what's wrong or not. And most parents will be able to associate that with worries. Um, other thing that you, you can expect in these kind of low to medium worries is overexcitement at the small things, almost disproportionate excitement. Uh, other thing is the silence treatment. So when you are talking about going back to school, they go quiet, they don't engage in the conversation, or they respond with very kind of yes, fine, okay type of answers. 
Yeah. What that means is they they're not engaging in that topic, and that is for me that is a is a warning light going off there. Uh, obviously, another one is nightmares. This might happen before, this might happen during, or this might happen after they go back to the school. So uh, sometimes the nightmare had nothing to do with them, but sometimes it's just a way for them to express their worries. And again, very important, I could expect the fears to happen closer or to be more severe closer to the moment that they have to leave home. And uh, then I would expect kind of a, a ripple effect in the first few days, weeks afterwards. So don't take it for granted. Don't think that because they had a successful day one, day two is going to be successful as well. In fact, being the watch out for day two, day three and day four is those moments when they say, oh, oh my God, this is the new normal. I don't like it. So um, that's one thing that you can, um, you can watch out for, the low to medium worries. Uh, you also can watch out for what I call increased questioning. So some kids will need a constant reassurance and the way of expressing the worries is through asking questions. Is it safe? Will you be safe? Will I be safe? Will I be able to play with my friends? What happens if I cannot do this? What happens when? Etc. So just be aware if the kid is asking quite a lot of questions. Uh, yeah, there's a need to know. There's a need to understand, but most importantly, most likely, it's a way of expressing that there is a worry in, in him or in her. Um, another thing that uh, you have to be aware for is that confusion. So nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows how the new normal is going to be. And they don't know it either. So there's going to be a lot of confusion and they will not understand why they cannot do things that they were expecting to do or they used to do. Yeah? Uh, and that kind of, kind of create kind of lack of joy, lack of enjoyment, or it could create kind of saying, well, if I cannot do all those things, it's because something big is happening and I don't know what it is. Uh, at this point, I, um, I am going to encourage you to read the article on my website about the coronavirus and how to talk with kids, yeah, because there's, there's more resources for you to use there. Um, another thing that you can expect for is tiredness. Now, this is, this is probably in the day or two days before going back to school, but also the first week or two weeks. So do you remember when in September when they start the school? Uh, the kids take a few days, a few weeks to adapt. The, the change of routine, the demand on them physically and mentally is, is quite exhausting. And they might feel again that, um, that demand, that tiredness coming to them. Finally, uh, the last thing to watch out for, uh, and, and again, I'm conscious this will be the, the um, minimum number of people, but again, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, some of them will experience this, is what I call disproportionate fears or anxieties in this case. Uh, these are the most severe cases and what you can experience is a very clear signs of anxiety in this case. It's not worries anymore. They're rejecting to go back. They probably become more secluded. They spend a lot of time in the room. They don't engage in the conversation and their behavior might become defensive-aggressive, passive-aggressive. 
uh, and when this is happening then it is a big big red light for you there's something and uh, obviously by all means you, you um, I encourage you to have the conversation with your kids but if your child your young person is experiencing any of these things um, I think it's probably my best advice could be to, to seek help As a summary, again, just recapping what is um, the things to look out for is um, the behavior, those psychosomatic illnesses or pretend illnesses, um, those silent treatments, that overexcitement at things, uh, the nightmares as well, that increased questioning, tiredness, the confusion about not being sure what to do, and um, Hopefully it's none of you people listening to this, but uh, if it is, just be aware for those disproportionate fears and anxieties that um, express themselves via being secluded, being very quiet, rejecting to do things that he, could, he or she would normally do, and, um, and that kind of passive-aggressive behavior. Now, as I said at the beginning, we're obviously talking in the coronavirus moment but just be aware everything that i told you you can extrapolate it to any moment yeah those signs those ideas uh, that you to watch out for they will be any single time that your young person is feeling tense worry yeah anytime that they are fearful about something they will materialize in those type of behaviors so when you see those things happening just a light for you say okay something is going on there i have to do something and um, now what we're going to do we're going to talk about what is that you can do i want to share with you four ideas that you can use you can use all of them or some of them we all have inclinations and we all have one or the other that works better for us. Um, I, I would suggest you, you listen to all of them. Just make your choice. If you can use all of them, fantastic. That'd be, that'd be great for your young person as well as for you. The first one is plan in advance. Now, we, um, we normally just go from one stage to another. We say, okay, well, time to go to school and that's it. And by and large, most adults can do it. So when we come back from holidays, uh, we go back to work and that's it. Now, if you are like me, probably you do have that kind of feelings on the first few days. So if you experience those feelings after uh, an absence of holidays, just imagine that your young person is going to experience the same. So planning is key. Now, I suggest you plan for um, any event between 10 to 14 days in advance yeah and what I suggest you is you plan in what I call baby steps and repetition so um, if you ask your kid to just go from home to a school that might be way too much but if you say okay why don't we create a journey of, of um, experiences so the first step could be to go to the corner shop Again, I'm assuming that a lot of the young people haven't left home for a long time. Some of them might have gone to, um, for walks at the park, some of them not, but just get the general idea. So again, if, if I was to 
plan this, okay, the first step could be to go to the corner shop. And because I want them to be happy and I want them to enjoy it and I want them to want to go into the second step, I could do it fun. I could go to the corner shop to get ice cream with them. Or we could go to buy something that he or he might want. Yeah, uh, A second step could go to see their friends, even if it's just to say hi from the road or to have a chat across the fence. Yeah, So just kind of plan what are the few things, three, four, five things that they are increasingly um, more important, increasingly bigger, for the lack of a better word, but that you can create that journey of a positive experiences. Now, um, one thing that I always say is plan for winning. Don't jump too far. Don't do too big things too early. Start small, even if you think it's a bit silly, start small and then build it up. And obviously you can plan this on the, on the go, but if you give yourself a bit of time, you will come with better and more enthusiastic ideas. At this point, you're not sharing that plan with them. This is just for you. Yeah, it's just a few ideas for you to keep in mind. So just plan those things. The other part, as I said, baby steps and repetition. Uh, it's very important that they have a good experience, but it's also very important that they repeat that good experience. So maybe it means that you go for two or three consecutive days to the corner shop to have ice cream, for the example that I'm following, or that you go for two or three days to say hi to different neighbors or friends that they live nearby. And as they repeat that, they become more comfortable, more confident, and then they will find easier to go into the um, other um, parts of the plan. And of course, they, hopefully, but the, the end goal will be before the school happens, before whatever event is taking place happens, that, for instance, they can go all the way to a school and they feel comfortable and they just go to a school and say, oh, well, I'm actually kind of looking forward to be here. But we have broken the ice little by little and they feel that they just can go to school anytime. And the journey to school, it's easy. Obviously, we would like to do other things, but that is, um, the, the, we have to play with the constraints that the situation has. So the first technique, the first idea for you is plan and plan for winning and plan for repeat those exercises. The second idea is, is simple, it's a no-brainer, but it's something that we tend to, um, to underestimate. It's all about communication. Tell them what you are going to be doing, explain to them what they're going to be doing, but don't give them too much warning. If you give them too much time, they will go into worst case scenario. You tell them the night before, even the morning before, the same morning in which you're going to do it. Say, listen, we're going to do this today. Now, some kids might not enjoy it, why I don't want to do it, and that's when the part of making it fun is important. I don't advocate this is a negotiation. I think I could suggest that, um, give it as a fact, we are going to do this, we're going for an ice cream, or we're going for a walk, or whatever it is. Yeah? Explain calmly what it is that you're going to be doing. Don't attract too much attention just to, to why, just explain calmly that this is what we want to do and that it's going to be fun and enjoyable. 
And uh, it's, it's very, very important that you are ready to answer the questions. Yeah, they might ask why. Uh, yes, they might say, I don't want to. Yes, they might say, whatever it is. Now, if that happens, that is a great source of information for you. If they are willing to accept going into this process, then they're telling you that they're probably in the right place and we still do it, but we know that we're just kind of calibrating where they are and they're okay. The more resistance they, uh, they put in these very early steps of the plan, the more that is kind of a watch out for you say, okay, what's going on here? We need to do something. We need to do something about it yet. Yeah. And again, one of the key strategies on this is deflect. Deflect from what is that you're trying to do. Pay more attention towards the ice cream or saying hi to grandpa or grandma from the window or whatever it is. Pay more attention to that reward, that fun part of it, rather than the act of going out and walking around. The third part, uh, I believe I've said it before in the previous two ideas, but I want to make a special emphasis on this. And it's all about rehearsal. All we are doing is we are making what is unfamiliar, familiar to them. We are rehearsing a number of situations and events. So again, repetition is important, calm words is important, them having fun is important. So make sure that you walk around that and that you rehearse those ideas. Now, what is also very important is that during this process, normally what parents do is they put a lot of energy on the child experience. And again, nothing wrong with that. But what they don't do is they put enough energy on their own experience. So they go almost tense into the process. When is my kid going to cry? Or when is my kid going to say no? Or when is he going to refuse to do what I say? And, and, and I can understand that. But just rehearse it positively in your mind and rehearse it as frequently as you need to. Just be aware what is that you want to do. Don't push it. Stay with the plan. Yeah. I always said, plan for winning and stay with the plan and just go over it over and over again. Uh, in my experience, one of the, <laughs> I'm just having this idea, I just, uh, I just have to say it, sorry, this just came to my mind that I want to share with you. Um, when uh, we, we go skiing, we love skiing as a family and my daughters are good skiers and we found this amazing, amazing teacher really charming and they just they, they, my daughters and love her and she loves them and they get along very well anyhow uh one one day i was talking to her and i was just asking how is business going i said oh it's great this is really really good fun i really enjoy it uh i said oh great glad, glad to hear is that is, is there any time that business is slow and she said well not really not really, my business is always uh, going well. And obviously as a businessman myself, I was quite jealous about it. And so oh, how, how is that? I wanted to understand. And so, so it's, uh, it's very easy, she said, because what I teach your daughters in the morning, you blew it up in the afternoon because you're so eager on getting them into the red slope or the black slope or the off-piste or whatever that they, uh, they get fear again. 
So all the work that we, I've done in the morning, I have to do it again the next day because you blew it up. Uh, that obviously made me laugh um, because I do recognize I was doing that. Um, but again, I just wanted you to share this with you because uh, that's what happens to us as parents. We push them sometimes, many times, too much, too far, too early. So again, one step at a time, stay with the plan, even if it sounds like it's boring or silly, just stay with the plan and carry on. You can tweak your plan here or there, but don't jump through it. And the final part that I wanted to do, um, and again, this is, uh, this is uh, something that parents look at me and they get bored because they say that this is not why I wanted to talk to you. Um, but I find it fundamentally important. A lot of the parents that I talk to, as I said before, they got the energy only focused on the kids. Yeah, and uh, what they do is they stop putting energy on themselves. Uh, so any change, any change of events, any change of routines, any moment that is going to be difficult, your young person, your kids, your teenager, your toddler, your baby will notice your level of anxiety. The way I describe it is just imagine a ratio of 1 to 10. If you are tens on a scale of 1, they will perceive 10. Again, this is not scientific, it's just my way of explaining it to you. If you are tense or anxious or worried or concerned on, on a scale of 2 or 3, they will perceive 20 or 30. So managing our own state of mind, our own sense of calmness and our, our own sense of focus is probably the most important thing we can do. Keeping calm, Give yourself time to relax. Make sure that you have a good night's sleep. If you need help, ask for help. And if it's available, please do. Um, just give yourself time to do those kind of wind down things. Reading a book, writing, drawing, doing exercise, whatever it is. Give yourself time to plan. Give yourself time to rehearse those ideas. Give yourself that space of mind to be calm, to be in a good place. The calmer you are, the calmer your young person will be. And I cannot stress this enough. And again, I'm sure that some of you are saying, oh, here we go again. Yes, I know I need to be calm here or that. that okay, I, I get it, yeah? Um, but I still have to tell you, focus on yourself. Because if you don't focus on yourself, you will not help your young person or you will not help them as much as you can. So when we're talking about planning, give yourself time for plan. When we're talking about making it fun, making it fun for yourself as well. When we're talking about rehearsing, rehearsing in a successful way for yourself as well. When we're talking about communication, just think about those questions that he or she might ask you and think about how could you go about answering truthfully but reassuringly as well. Yeah, And really important, make time for yourself. Make time for yourself to be calm, to be relaxed, to be in a good space. The calmer and best, um, better rest that you are, the more resourceful you will be. And that will transpire with your kid. And this takes us just to the end of this podcast. Um, 
I, I'm going to give you a quick wrap up of what we have discussed and uh, hopefully you can see how everything clicks together. Uh, if you remember, I started the story about this young kid not wanting to go to the cricket game and how it wasn't the cricket game, it wasn't every part of the day, it was a very specific moment that made him trigger. And uh, obviously we can figure out or we can work in discovering those moments or we can help them overcome what are those moments. So we can be reactive or proactive and sometimes we'll need one, sometimes we'll need the other. Uh, we talk about the general concepts or ideas about anxieties, how I call them worries, uh, how they, they need to be respected because for your young person they are true and how those worries that they're experiencing, they normally come in, you know, there's a source of um, something that is new and confusion going on and then the repetition that is in the head, it makes it disproportionately bigger than it is. Uh, then we said about what is that you can expect and uh, you can expect that kind of mixed bag of feelings, the tummy aches, the headaches, you can expect that kind of lack of engagement in the conversation or you can expect the overexcitement, you can expect that increased questioning, that confusion, uh, you can expect as well, hopefully not in many cases, but you can expect those disproportionate fears and, and in this case really anxieties. And again you can expect the, that tiredness of something new and embracing something new and, let's be honest, in their mind, in our mind, potentially dangerous. In terms of time, uh, you can expect this to be increasingly more noticeable in the run-up to the big event. Uh, but again, don't take it for granted, even if they have a good first day, second day, third day, don't take it for granted, keep observing them, keeping the watch out, because sometimes the, it takes two, three, four days, even a few weeks for those fears, those behaviors to materialize. And uh, then finally we talk about what is that you can do. We talk about planning and planning on baby steps and planning on successful and repetition. We talk about how do we communicate with them. We talk about rehearsing and we talk about looking after ourselves and making sure that the the better, the more grounded, the more calm, the more relaxed I am, the more relaxed, calm and safe that they will feel. And that is all for me. I, uh, I hope that you enjoy it. As you know, I'm always happy to answer questions. I am trying to keep the podcast generic enough so it gives you ideas for any situation but at the same time to make it actionable enough so you can take those ideas, those thoughts and make use of them just today. And uh, uh, obviously, as I said, in the current situation with the coronavirus and the isolation and the prospect of going back to school, you can use all these ideas, but you can use them for pretty much any event that is potentially a source of worries for your young person and that is, can create that sense of unfamiliarity and confusion in them. So that planning is exactly the same for um, going abroad for first time or is uh, going to a new activity, joining the scouts or moving to secondary school. So these ideas, I've used them for all sorts of situations and I find that they're very, very, very useful. 
And um, again, just kind of remember how the calmer you are, the more focused you are, the more resourceful, the more calm your, um, your child will be. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for listening. This is Javier Ortiz from Helping Kids. If you have any question at any time, please contact us at info at helpingkids.co.uk. And if you want, just visit our website. We have loads of articles there that we have produced to help you, your kids and yourself. Thank you very much for listening. Keep healthy, keep safe. Bye.